Welcome to Soul Nectar, the podcast sanctuary where we dance in the intersection of that which is deemed sacred and profane, exploring what it means to embrace our full spectrum humanness while on the path of spiritual, erotic, emotional, and creative wholeness, liberation, and aliveness. I'm your guide, Nadine Hamilton, passionate coach and teacher of holistic sexuality, devoted somatic practitioner, earth lover, writer, and lifelong student. From my heart to yours, thank you for being here. I realized recently that we haven't had an episode on Soul Nectar in a few months now that is specifically devoted to exploring sexuality and intimacy. So we are overdue. And I feel very inspired to be sitting here recording a solo episode diving into exactly this. And specifically, I want to talk about completely shifting how we perceive sexuality and intimacy and self-pleasure and also how we relate to it. So for so long, my relationship with my sexuality was performative it was transactional, it had clear expectations, it was controlled, and it was a means to an end, to a destination, whether that be orgasm, whether that be impressing a man, whether that be trying to receive a false sense of love or validation or acceptance or belonging, security, safety, you name it. So... I am actually going to read you an Instagram post that I posted recently because it's really fucking good if I do say so myself and it breaks down the exact concept and the shift in perspective that I want to offer you. So I'm going to read that to you and then we are going to break it down and go even deeper. So here's the post. The purpose of sexuality is to be fully alive. When our primary goal of sex is orgasm, sexiness, hotness, or even pleasure, we tend to quickly shut down anything that looks different than what we've seen in movies and porn. We suffocate the truth of what wants to be expressed in exchange for performance, forcing, and a false sense of safety. Let the goal of sex B, to experience full-spectrum aliveness in all its terrifying, ecstatic, and imperfect beauty. Sex is somewhere we go, not necessarily something we do. It is a space we enter, a microcosm of life itself. Meaning, shit's gonna come up, and it's supposed to. Sex brings us into this high-energy state in which anything that has been left unfelt or repressed will come to the surface ready to be cleared or integrated. These feelings do not indicate that something is wrong or that we need to analyze what it is or where it came from. It's an invitation to meet exactly what's alive moment to moment and to radically allow it to be felt, moved, trusted, and expressed and maybe even loved and accepted. This only happens when we feel safe enough to do so. Tears during sex are normal. Emotions during sex are normal. 
wildness and messiness and spontaneous somatic reactions and activations during sex are normal. Your body knows exactly what needs to be moved. When we've been taught that intimacy should only look a certain way, we prevent bubbling emotions and energies from moving through their natural cycle of completion. This creates more contraction in our emotional and energetic fields and more pain, numbness, or tension in our physical bodies. Religious and cultural conditioning have taught us that true states of ecstasy and catharsis, aka healing, are demonic, hysterical, scary, weird, ugly, feral, and shameful. Remember what your body already knows, that your liberated, surrendered expression is a highly intelligent alchemical gift. Sex is an invitation to meet yourself exactly where you are as all of who you are. Sex is a microcosm of all of life, a mirror of what lives within you. Let what lives within you live outside of you and beyond you. This is how we liberate. So that was the end of the post from the other day. And then in the caption, I wrote, sex is an invitation to heal, play, express, explore, expand, liberate, discover, reclaim, rewire, connect, and be witnessed. It's a practice of ongoing curiosity, truth, self-responsibility, and self-honoring, relating, alchemy, and resourcing. It is a place to remember your untouchable wholeness, divinity, and erotic innocence. Hmm. So there is a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to unpack there. And that's why I have (laughs) entire courses and coaching packages in devotion to doing exactly that. But let's start here. Many of us, either consciously or unconsciously, have these kind of rigid images and expectations of what we think sex and intimacy should be. And anything that doesn't fall under that category or look a certain way we think is weird or wrong or shameful or something needs to be fixed. And the vast majority of people that I know never received a truly empowering, comprehensive, holistic sex education. Many of us were only exposed to beliefs about sexuality in regards to religious shaming and religious trauma and cultural and societal narratives or through porn or through very confusing conversations with our peers when we were growing up. And so if we grow up thinking that the sex that we see in porn is the standard, then what we're exposed to is something that is very goal and destination oriented something that is very performative and something that is not at all true of how the female body operates or the male body really, but definitely not the female body. And so we think that the point of sex is a performance and impressing our partner. The point of sex is orgasm or even pleasure. And trust me, I love pleasure. I love orgasm. I love hotness and sexiness and juiciness and yumminess and all of those things. And I also want to make it clear that not every single sexual encounter and experience has to be like this 
cathartic, intense healing experience. It can also be light and playful and fun and sexy and hot or spontaneous. It doesn't always have to be this big portal of alchemical transformation and cracking you open to God and embodying your deepest shadows. (laughs) It doesn't always have to be that. To me, the goal of sexual healing and empowerment, or one of the goals, is sexual flexibility. So it's expanding your capacity to be able to experience your turn on, your eroticism, your arousal, your sexual expression in so many different diverse ways instead of only repetitively experiencing your inner sexual being in one specific way over and over and over. And so we have this story that, oh, if I'm having sex with someone and tears come up or rage comes up or shame or guilt or fear or anything that doesn't align with something I would see in a porn video, then something must be wrong or something must be bad or I need to break up with this person or da-da-da-da-da, like all of these stories and we can get so lost in our heads. Instead of realizing that, as I just read to you, when we're having sex, we are increasing our energy. We're entering this high energy state in which that energy has its own intelligence. And anything within us that is ready to be moved or released or cleared or felt, expressed, seen, heard, loved, accepted, integrated, is going to naturally come to the surface, especially when we feel safe enough for that to happen. And we don't have to make it mean something. We don't have to give it a story. We don't even have to know exactly where it came from or what it means or what it is. It simply is coming to the surface to be seen and felt and witnessed. And if we can meet those bubbling emotions and energies with presence and trust and honoring or at the bare minimum, loving awareness, it's naturally going to do whatever it needs to do. And again, I want to emphasize that it really takes feeling safe enough for this natural process of integration and healing and clearing to happen. Because if we've gone so long thinking that our emotions and feelings are wrong, then the moment they come to the surface, we're automatically like, oh God, no, no one can see that. That's bad. I have to push that down. And so we repress it. We push it deeper into ourselves. And that creates like this clogging and this contraction in our emotional and energetic fields, which as I read to you, creates more tension, more tightness and numbness or pain in our physical bodies. And it creates this perpetual cycle of more disconnection, more shutdown, more dissociation, more resistance. And then we wonder, hmm, why am I having such a difficult time with intimacy? Why am I unable to experience my full potential of pleasure? Why am I unable to feel really resourced and present and grounded in my body? Meanwhile, the body is constantly showing us and revealing to us what is ready to be seen and heard and felt and expressed. And so someone asked me, I did a Q&A on my Instagram stories this past week, and someone asked, how do I create deeper connection and intimacy sexually with my partner? And everything that I'm saying to you now was my response. It's to 
first of all, radically communicate and create a space in which both of you are mutually on board to create an experience in which all of you is welcome. All of you has a seat at the table and a place of curiosity, of exploration, of putting your judgment to the side just for right now and radical permission to embody and explore and discover new parts of yourself. So first is to have open, clear, direct, transparent communication and to set that sacred intentional space. A framework that one of my teachers, Layla Martin, suggests for having conversations like this are to first each express what you most desire, then express what you fear, what you're afraid of, and to then express what you love about each other. If you want to go even further, you can also express if you have any boundaries or anything that you definitely don't want to receive or experience. And if this feels true for you to openly express and communicate that you want to deepen your experience of sexuality in a way where you experience it as full spectrum aliveness. And if you zoom your perspective out and you truly view sexuality as a microcosm of all of life, all of life, no matter how successful or empowered or spiritual or beautiful or whatever you are, life consists of emotions and cringe and contraction and heaviness and messiness and the unknown, unexpected twists and turns. And just like life, sex can and does consist of all of that. So as you're connecting with your partner, as you're having sexual intimacy, if you start to feel the bubbling of grief and sadness and you feel safe enough with your partner and with yourself to tap into it, rather than shutting it down and making it wrong or hiding it, what would it look like to breathe directly into that part of your body that is feeling the grief and the sadness? To breathe into it, to give it a voice, give it a sound, and to move it through your body. What would it look like to make love to your grief, to your sadness, and to have the experience of how your sexuality, your pleasure, and your turn-on can coexist with your grief, with your rage, with your ugliness, with your primal, messy nature. It can all coexist together. So again, if you feel that rising of grief and sadness within you, first of all, have huge fucking compassion for yourself because we have been living in a world that for thousands of years now has shut down our sexuality, shut down our power, shut down our authentic, true spiritual connection. So of course there's going to be some grief living within us. And it's not our job. It's not our responsibility to know exactly where it came from or what it means or to identify with it. So rather than thinking that even grief or sadness needs to be moved and felt and expressed in a certain way, can you let yourself be moved by the grief, be breathed by the grief, and to even notice the pleasure within the grief? Because again, we as humans and as erotic beings are so much more complex and layered and nuanced and fascinating than we give ourselves credit for. We don't only feel one feeling or one emotion at a time. We can feel all of them on the spectrum. And when we give ourselves a loving space 
to honor that and explore that, that's when we experience the wild world of crygasms and angergasms and all types of orgasms. Because the framework of orgasm that Layla teaches that I really resonate with is pleasure plus expansion plus a shift in your consciousness, which usually tends to be a sense of surrender. So notice how that equation of orgasm is not limited to your genitals. It's not limited to ejaculation or to a clitoral orgasm or genital stimulation. That can happen in any way. As long as you're tapped into a feeling of pleasure and goodness in your body and those sensations of pleasure expand bigger and bigger in your body and then there's a shift in your state of consciousness, you are in an orgasmic state, my friend. And if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, but every time I have sex with my partner, I don't want to (laughs) be crying and raging and processing and healing and having this intense cathartic experience, then trust me, I feel you and I get it and you don't have to. So this is why I highly recommend having some type of pleasure practice or erotic embodiment practice that is solo. And this can be your time to tap into your body, your sensations, your eroticism, and to explore when you peel back the layers, what is beneath? What are the emotions or the stagnant energies that have been within you that are ready to come to the surface to be moved? And if you have no fucking idea how to do that, that's totally okay. Most of us were never taught how to do that. So I would recommend going to bloomwithnadine.com slash living sensuality. And I have a really amazing free seven-day course where every day for seven days, you are sent a 10-minute pleasure practice. And this course is more focused on sensuality, not explicitly sexuality. So it's a really beautiful and gentle introduction for expansion into an exploration of your body and your eroticism that is anchored in truth and anchored in just being with yourself and being with exactly what's here and meeting it with curiosity and acceptance rather than controlling the experience or having rigid expectations of what you think you should be feeling or should be looking like or experiencing within your sensuality or sexuality. So again, living sensuality, I highly recommend doing that. It's completely free. And it's an awesome seven-day course that you've lifetime access to. To wrap up this discussion, I also want to add that so many of us are terrified of the truth. We're terrified of the truth of what lives within us, the truth of our darkness, our shadows, our pain, our wounding, the truth of our relationships, the truth of how we really feel and what we really want. Because typically, it means entering the unknown. It means trusting yourself and trusting life. It means leaping out of the nest and trusting that your wings will allow you to fly. And when we are stepping into the unknown, we're stepping into something that is unfamiliar and that we're not used to. And that our nervous systems, our brains, our bodies, our subconscious, typically associate with danger and a threat to our survival because it's unknown or because we've been taught that it's shameful or wrong or dangerous. And I've worked with a lot of people who are so afraid of tapping into the depth of their emotions because they're afraid that they'll never come out of it. 
where once they truly feel that darkness, that heaviness, that grief, that sadness, that rage, whatever it is, that guilt, that disgust, that it will just consume them and they'll never get out. And if there is anything I know about life, it's that absolutely everything is impermanent. Everything is moving and expanding and shifting and changing and going through different seasons and cycles. And I have found over and over again with every single client I've ever worked with, including myself, that if you lean all the way down deep into your feelings, into your sensations, into your emotions, and you really feel it, you really let yourself be with it and meet it while staying anchored in loving presence and groundedness and acceptance without getting washed away in it, and you just hold yourself with acceptance and loving awareness, it shifts and it changes and it alchemizes every single time. Because at their core, these emotions are energy. They are life force. It's the force of aliveness within you. And life wants to move. Life wants to expand and grow and transform. And we never give these emotions the opportunity to do so if we just suppress it and hold it down. And also, if you really think about it, if you're constantly suppressing your emotions, you're not allowing them them to move through you, that is taking a shitload of energy. It takes so much energy that you're draining when you're holding something down because that means another part of you is taking on the role, the duty, the responsibility of being the thing to hold down that emotion. So it's creating this inner tension and friction and lockdown when we have the courage to go there when we have the courage to meet ourselves and to let it move and flow and come to the surface, we open up so much energy. It's insane because now the emotions are flowing. Now we're not stuck in this perpetual state of contraction and tension. When we relax and we express and we let our emotions and feelings and expression be exactly what it fucking is, We invite a physical and emotional and psychological feeling of relief and being so much more energized, so much more connected to life and to ourselves. Another analogy that I just want to offer is when we sit down on the meditation cushion or we step onto our yoga mat, most likely we don't have like a rigid attachment to or expectation of us needing to access total bliss and oneness and connection and enlightenment in that one session. We don't have this expectation of, oh, I'm going to sit down and do this meditation or I'm going to do this yoga practice and it needs to make me feel this certain way. Yeah, of course, it'd be nice if we feel more peace, more openness, more connection. But when it comes to our self-pleasure and our sexuality, We have such rigid expectations of what we think it needs to be. I need to have an orgasm. I need to surrender. I need to look and feel this certain way. Rather than relating to it, just like you relate to your meditation practice, right? Like for me, I sit down on the cushion and that time isn't for forcing me to be something or feel some certain way or experience a certain thing. It's me literally meeting myself 
and being with myself with curiosity and loving awareness and just witnessing. And just like that approach to meditation, that can be your approach to your pleasure practice of, hey, I'm setting up the time and space to be with the truth of what's here in this moment in relation to my body, in relation to my pleasure, in relation to my eroticism without needing to control it or manipulate it. And this, in my experience, is the work. This is the healing. It's to become aware of what have we been avoiding? What have we been hiding? What have we been disconnecting from? And can we have the courage and the willingness to lean in and to get so radically intimate with it? For example, if it is really hard for you to experience pleasure or orgasm without fantasy, okay, without making that wrong, without thinking you need to fix yourself or that you're broken, get curious. And as you have that habitual urge to fantasize, take a moment to just notice that, to breathe, to bring your awareness in your body and to notice what are you potentially trying to avoid or get away from as you start to fantasize? Is it a feeling of shame or disgust or guilt that was conditioned into you from a young age? And if so, breathe into that. Be with that without making a story about it, without thinking that it's going to go on forever and ever and ever. Just be with it. And as you continue to breathe into that, into the constriction or whatever it is that you've been avoiding, notice as you breathe, as you feel, as you sound and express what is beneath that layer. And maybe it'll be your primal lust and your erotic hunger that you were told is bad and wrong and shameful. The more we be with something, the more we notice the underlying layers beneath. So our pure, raw, erotic expression and desire may have been masked with a feeling of shame or guilt or fear or anxiety. And then on top of that, we don't want to feel that emotion. So we have another false sense of self, which is the fantasy and convincing ourselves that we need to fantasize in order to experience our erotic aliveness. What's interesting and important here to consider is what we call in the somatic world overcoupling. And this is when on a neurological and nervous system level, we have so closely associated two separate things that they become one and the same. And we automatically think that they go together. For example, maybe we associate us authentically revealing and expressing our emotions with a sense of not being accepted or unworthiness or not being lovable, being rejected. Or maybe we associate our embodied sense of safety and security with suppression and with people-pleasing and bypassing the truth of how we feel. For example, there's been studies that have been done that reveal how a lot of women, I don't even remember the percentage, but a lot of women are unable to connect to, identify, or even feel the pleasure that is happening. It's already happening in their bodies because there's a part of the brain that is switched on that is constantly scanning for social acceptability. And when that part of the brain is on, your body can be actually on a physiological level can be experiencing pleasure, sensation, arousal, turn on, sexual aliveness, but 
mentally, emotionally, energetically, you won't even be able to actually feel it. You will be numb to it and disconnected from it because we are so trained and wired to make sure that we are socially acceptable. We are civilized. We are under control. We are quote unquote ladylike. We are pretty. We are behaved. We are seen but not heard. All of these sayings that we've been hearing for so long. And this even comes down to like a primal level because if you think about, for example, like tribal times, women, we did need protection. And so if our sense of belonging and acceptance in our tribe, our village, our community was threatened, that could be a threat to our survival because maybe then we would have to be out on our own in the wilderness and wouldn't be able to survive. Or maybe it was a time when our access to financial resources or to having a home or any sort of protection was dependent on a man and dependent on being accepted by our community. So we do have this like on a primal level added layer of wanting to make sure that other people are connected to us and liking us and accepting us and viewing us in a certain light. And now we get to become aware of that and we get to play with what would it look like to very gently release some of that and to start to rewire my brain and my body to now be able to experience a sense of somatic safety and security within my own body no matter what. A sense of safety that I carry around with me wherever I go, no matter who is judging me or who is rejecting me or who chooses to like and accept me. So if we have this deeply embedded overcoupling and association of our prettiness, our calmness, our civilizedness and put togetherness with our sense of safety and love and belonging and access to resources... That now gets to be unwinded and unraveled and reprogrammed. And we can do that during sex. We can do that in the container and the context of a pleasure practice by allowing ourselves to enter a deep state of presence and relaxation. And you can do this in many different ways. I highly recommend using your breath, using your sound, using your movement. These are all tools to lean into the parasympathetic nervous system and activate your vagus nerve, creating an embodied sense of relaxation, which helps to shut off that part of the brain that is scanning for social acceptability. And again, a lot of us have this sometimes unconscious fear of that, like, oh God, if I'm not controlling myself, if I'm not holding myself together, if I'm not having this brick wall in front of me that is preventing me from accessing deeper levels of exposure and connection and intimacy, then what if I go crazy? What if I don't even know who I am or what I'll do or what I'll say? What if I'll be too much? I'll be too big. I'll be too emotional. I'll be too sensitive, too wild, too whatever. And we have this fear of the side of ourselves that is unleashed and wild and uncontrolled, maybe even ugly according to society's current beauty standards. But I can tell you, if you are having the most unleashed, expressed, truly surrendered sexual experience of your life, it's not going to look like porn and it's not going to look like what we consider to be quote unquote pretty or ladylike. 
It will likely be with your tongue out, your eyes rolled back, maybe shaking, maybe spasms. It's going to look like what has been labeled societally as hysterical or scary or demonic or bad, wrong, sinful, crazy, something that we should run away from. And it can be so sensitive and tender and vulnerable and scary to access that level of surrender with another person, especially when it's someone you really care about because we associate being judged by them or ostracized by them as a threat to our survival on a primal level. So again, this is something that you can play with in your own time, in your own solo practice, is using the built-in somatic tools of breath, sound, movement, touch, awareness, dropping into these deeper, more subconscious states where you're no longer so hyper vigilant and scanning for social acceptability. And you can really let yourself go there and explore like different parts of yourself, explore different archetypes that live within you, even the ones that have been locked away and disconnected from for years. Because when you go there yourself and you know yourself, it makes it a whole lot easier to love and accept yourself because to love someone or something is to know them. So get to know yourself in new contexts and new situations, new expressions. What would it look like to pleasure myself as the archetype of the wild woman or the old crone or a force of nature, a wildfire, a jaguar, a mountain, the ocean? the embodiment of love and vibrancy and confidence itself. You can really play and get creative with your own pleasure practice. And then when you do connect with your partner, you'll have this deeper embodied sense of, I know me, I got me, I accept me. And yes, I love my partner and I want to be with them, but my life and my well-being and my safety is not dependent on that. You are in my life and I'm having sex with you because I'm choosing to, not because I need to in order to survive, not because I need to in order to feel safe or loved or whole or accepted. And going back to the conversation around being so terrified of truth and of how we really feel, we're also sometimes really terrified of the truth of our desires and what we really want. Because what if our desires are societally fucked up? or unacceptable, or sinful, or it means maybe needing to end this relationship or make a big shift in our lives. And so we avoid it and we slap a mask on top of it so that we don't have to look at it. And if you can relate to this, which I believe most humans can, get curious and ask yourself, what do I want my life to be in devotion to? What do I want my life to be in devotion to? So in the context of sex or relationships, ask yourself, do I want to desperately cling on to this dynamic or this relationship just for the sake of it and just because it's what society says I should do and because it's more comfortable and it feels more safe? Or do I want to honor and devote myself to truth itself, which honestly can be fucking terrifying. But when something is not true and you can feel in your body, you know, even if you say you don't know, you know when something isn't true and we continue to choose it over and over and over, there will be a growing of tension 
and contraction and friction in our bodies and in our energy fields, a misalignment. And that over time takes a toll on us until life needs to fucking get us back on track. Whether that looks like a dark night of the soul or whatever situation needs to happen to get you back on track. And so when we continue to choose that option, that path, that situation, that dynamic, that environment, that job, that relationship, that sex life, that is not true, we internally do not feel at ease. Even if we're convincing ourselves that we're doing this, we're continuing to choose this so that we can avoid the scary unknown and the chaos and the mystery. But secretly, we're creating that. We're creating the chaos and the tension and the scariness through staying in a familiar, seemingly comfortable situation that is no longer ours to be in. It's no longer our truth. It's no longer our path. And this, again, relates to sex as well. Truth heals. Truth is alchemical. As I'm speaking, something that is coming up right now is this past weekend, I did this three-day intensive immersion, you could say, in New York City, and it was fucking incredible. It was a group of about like 45 to 50 of us, and it was all about exploring and expressing and honoring and getting to know truth through the exploration of your body and different movements and somatic tools. So we worked with the modality of five rhythms. I definitely recommend checking it out if you've never heard of it. We worked with ritual theater and doing a lot of improv, doing a lot of partner and group practices, ecstatic dance, all of these different things. And it was so incredible. But there was this one exercise that we did that definitely stood out the most And just to briefly describe it to you, it was on the final day and all of us got in a big circle and each of us one by one had to go in the center of the circle surrounded by about 50 people and we had about 90 seconds to allow our bodies to be the living, true, authentic, transparent expression of whatever we are experiencing. And when you place your body in the center of 50 people, all eyes on you, most likely your nervous system is going to have a reaction. You're going to start to feel some things. And it was so fucking gorgeous and healing and powerful. And just, I have no words, what was created in that circle. And I feel like I got to see the soul, the essence, the truth of every single person There is so much power in letting your truth be witnessed, especially when in the previous days we had already been stirring up a lot of emotion and energy and vulnerability and heart opening. So by this point, we were already cracked open with a lot coming to the surface and a lot of feelings and healing involved. And some people cried, some people screamed, some people moaned or rolled around on the floor or paced around awkwardly. And the two main facilitators of the immersion, they would give some suggestions or coaching to allow people to go even deeper and get even more into their body, even more into their truth. And for example, if someone was in the circle and said, I don't know what to do, or I feel shame, then the facilitators would ask them something like, well, What is the shape 
of shame. Show us with your body. What is the shape of having no idea what to do and being lost and confused or doubtful and letting your body be the living expression of that and then breathing into it, giving it a sound, giving it a voice. And the simple act, seemingly simple act of being witnessed in your vulnerable, exposed truth, like every single person that went into the circle, there was this moment of alchemy, this moment of shift that you could see on a physical level where something shifted, something expanded, and like a new energy was birthed within them. And for me, I had no idea what was going to happen when it was my turn. I didn't plan anything. I had no idea. I just made a promise to myself that I would just express whatever was happening. And so when it was my turn, first I moaned and groaned and then I got on my hands and knees and like slithered, started to slither into the circle. And then I sat up and I just started to bawl my eyes out, like crying hysterically, clutching my heart. And I remember I said, my heart feels so heavy I always feel so much and it's too much for one person to carry. And I was just crying and crying and shaking and it was hard to even speak. And everything that was cracked open during the whole weekend just came to the surface. All of the different practices that we did, it all just bubbled up in these tears that I was expressing and then I said something like, and I'm always so nice. I'm always smiling. And sometimes I don't want to fucking smile anymore. Sometimes I just want to be a bitch. <laughs> and people started laughing. And then one of the facilitators said, show us your bitch. Take it out on the circle. And I said, oh, I can't. You're all so nice. And I was just feeling like the strong, strong, strong presence of my inner nice girl and people pleaser who wants to be seen as nice and sweet and kind and never mean or hateful or bitchy. And so one of the facilitators, she got in the middle of the circle with me, facing me, and she said, look at me and show me your rage. Show me your inner bitch. And I fucking let my inner bitch loose. I screamed and shrieked and growled and was this wild animal and was screaming, fuck you. And there was this moment where I just felt this huge release and this huge shift in my energy. And I got up on my feet with my hands in the air. and I was just screaming to the universe, fuck you. And I can't even put into words, like as I was expressing this truth that lived within me, plus being witnessed by 50 people and looking into this woman's eyes, it was wild how energized and how free I felt in that moment. And she gave me a big hug and then my time was up and I went back to the circle. And I truly believe that if more humans had access to spaces in which they can let the cringy, ugly, shadowy, dark creatures that live inside of them, they can let that out and let them be seen and witnessed and not only witnessed, but encouraged and celebrated and accepted and loved, this planet would be a very different place because we would no longer be so terrified of ourselves and what lives in the shadows within us.
and sex and romantic intimacy, if we choose it to be, can be a container of healing, of alchemy, of growth and expansion and play and creativity and trying on new personalities and archetypes and parts of yourself. So many of us are just doing the same habitual patterns of sex over and over and over and that shit's going to get old real quick. It's going to get boring. What helps us to have a sex life that is vibrant and exciting and that we don't feel the need to fantasize or run away from is when we explore the full spectrum of what is alive within us. Some very practical tools that I want to make sure to leave you with are you can do eye gazing to deepen intimacy and connection and trust. So for example, before you make love, you can set a sacred space, you can set an intention, you can sit in yab yum, which is one person sitting and the other person sitting on top of them on their lap, facing them. So you're looking into each other's eyes and you can breathe together. It's also really nice to place your hands on each other's hearts and to just breathe, inhaling together and exhaling together as you look into each other's eyes. This is a really beautiful practice of co-regulating your nervous systems, deepening connection, and letting yourself experience an intimacy in which you let yourself be seen. So many of us are far more comfortable just jumping into bed with someone than we are sitting in front of them face to face, breathing together and looking into their eyes. Because when someone is looking into your eyes for an extended period of time, there's no running. Like, there you are. And it's so much harder to hide because you're not only looking at someone, but you're looking into them. You're peering into their soul and into their truth. And another practice that I want to offer is doing a pussy massage or a penis massage. So the point of this is not necessarily orgasm, not necessarily climax or even sexuality. You can do a massage that's more therapeutic or more sensual, but just exploring this person's sex center in a new way, a way where you are connected, you're grounded, and you're offering this massage as a gift of your devotion, of your love, of your commitment, whatever it is that you want to offer to this person. And giving this massage as if their body is like the altar to your temple. Their body is what you are worshiping and devoting yourself to, at least in that moment. That can be one of the most intimate, healing, and beautiful experiences, especially if you're someone with a pussy, because many of us have only ever related to our vulvas with a clear goal or a destination, whether that's shoving a tampon inside of us or pillaging our bodies in an OBGYN's office or getting to an orgasm, like really allow the massage to be an opportunity of slowing down and exploring and being with yourself and letting the massage have no destination, no goal, other than whatever you need and desire in that moment. So maybe it looks like soft, nourishing, gentle, connected touch. Maybe it looks like just cupping firmly your vulva and just holding and breathing. That can feel super nice and grounding. And just feeling into what does my body need right now when there's no expectations, there's no pressure, there's no goal or destinations. What does my body want? 
how do I want to be touched or not touched? How do I want to be held? And vice versa with a penis massage. So I'm going to leave you with that for today and to just end this episode with the message of give yourself permission for your sexuality to be founded on an exploration and an experience of your full spectrum aliveness. Allow your sexuality to be in devotion of being fully alive, nothing more, nothing less, which includes all of who you are. It includes the entire human experience, which is divine. It is beautiful. It is perfect. Not in a bypassing way, but in a way that is recognizing how this moment literally couldn't be anything else. Can I accept that? Can I be with that? And can I stop forcing my sexuality, my body, my pleasure, my erotic expression to need to look or feel a certain way? That really is the core of what I teach and what I coach on and pretty much every message I have ever shared on any platform. If you peel back the layers, that's it. That's the message. Be with what's here. Be with what's alive. And not only that, but make love to it. All right, I'm sending you so much love. Again, if you want to check out that free seven-day course, Living Sensuality, go to bloomwithnadine.com slash living sensuality and definitely make sure to rate and review the show and also to share it on social media. Make sure to tag me at Bloom with Nadine so we can connect and I can shout you out and definitely let me know how this lands for you. It always makes my day to hear from you and to hear how this is resonating with you and what you're taking away and what it's bringing up. So I hope to hear from you and I'll see you in the next episode. Congratulations on making it to the very end of a podcast episode. I hope you loved it as much as I did. Make sure to leave a rating and a review to support the show and help more lovely souls like yourself to discover these conversations. It really makes a massive difference. If you screenshot your review and you email it to Nadine at bloomwithnadine.com, you'll be sent a free transformational masterclass as well as a chance to win a private somatic coaching session with me. If you got something out of listening, remember to send this episode to your friends, lovers, and family and to share it on your social media and tag me at Bloom with Nadine. I would absolutely love to hear how this landed for you. I'm sending so much love and I hope to meet again in the next episode.